God of grace, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus has gotten himself in trouble with the Pharisees once again. They come to him and say, why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus said, decides to use this as a teaching moment. So he gathers everyone around him, and he says, listen, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of it. So the disciples right away are a little confused. Well, wait a second, Jesus. You know, our tradition tells us some things to eat are unclean. There are all these rules around eating that are supposed to be for our benefit, right? What are you saying? And you know you just really upset the Pharisees by saying that. So he explains it to them further. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person because that's what comes from the heart. And from the heart come evil intentions. So in this moment, Jesus is really emphasizing what's most important in our tradition, in our faith. Now, I, as a teacher, really can take a cue from this sort of technique he's using. When you present a lot of information, you always have to really emphasize what's most important. So if I teach a three-hour SAT class, I need to make sure that's clear, otherwise it's going to get lost in the mix, right? So Jesus does this throughout his teaching. Someone asks him, what's the most important commandment? There are 613 commandments in the Torah. So love is the most important commandment. And he's saying something very similar here. He's saying what is most important is what's in your heart and your intentions towards other people. So this emphasis by Jesus on what's the most important really has far-reaching implications. For first of all, this really opens the door for the early followers of Jesus, this early movement, to include Gentiles. Because if what's most important before God is not what you eat or even your tradition, even what group you're part of, but what's in your heart, then all people are invited and included in the gospel message. So this is a sort of radical opening toward a more universal fellowship with God here. And we can see this in the book of Acts as well. And Peter has this vision. He's standing up on a roof. He's really hungry and he's praying. And he has a vision of this scroll coming down from heaven with all these animals on it. Animals that are unclean to eat in the Jewish tradition. And a voice says, take, kill, and eat. And he says, by no means, I'm not going to eat anything unclean. And the voice says again, what God has made clean, don't say is unclean. So for Peter, this is not just a matter of his dietary rules. The deeper meaning for him is, no one is unclean. No person is unclean merely by being part of a certain group or a certain faith. And so therefore, once again, all people are invited and included in this gospel movement. And we can see what happens. Christianity became a universal religion. So it's this emphasis by Jesus on what's most important that opens the door, really for all of us to be sitting here right now. So there's this evolution, even in human history, from a more provincial or even a more tribal mindset, in-group, this is our group, we're not them, toward a more sort of universal or global way of thinking about humanity. And Christianity certainly was part of that evolution and still is. Now, we can even see this evolution happen in Jesus himself. 
Because in the second part of the Gospel reading, a Canaanite woman comes to Jesus and asks him to heal her daughter. And at first he says, no, you're a Canaanite. This is a really startling passage. This is a difficult Gospel to sort of deal with. But she's insistent. She forces Jesus to acknowledge her presence and her faith. Jesus says, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Ouch. (laughs) It's a difficult thing to hear. She says, even the dogs eat the food from under the master's table. So Jesus seems to be kind of blown away by this woman. He says, great is your faith. Your daughter is healed. So even for Jesus, we can see when he's actively involved in his ministry and preaching about what's most important, his encounters with people actually change him and enlarge his sense of his ministry and who's included. So this is kind of an amazing moment, perhaps even in Jesus' own ministry. And what an important message for our world. What's most important in your faith is not what separates you from other people, but it's what's in your heart. Right now, as we speak, there's so much violence going on in the name of religion. If we think about what's going on in the Middle East, it's really heartbreaking. In Israel and Palestine and Syria and Iraq. I recently saw on Facebook a lot of people are changing their uh, Facebook picture to the symbol Nun, uh, which is the Arabic letter, uh, basically for N, I think, which stands for Nazarene, which is one word for Christian in the Muslim world. Now, the reason people are putting that symbol on Facebook is ISIS is marking the houses of Christians with this symbol that they either have to convert or be killed. And not just Christians, but so many people are being targeted by ISIS, including Shiite Muslims, who are like 60% of Iraq. So horrible things are going on right now in the name of religion. And we can see what's happening is religion is being used as an opportunity for power, power for my group, for my belief. And our Gospel reading this morning really runs right up against that and says that is not the most important thing. Your tradition, your tradition is sacred, but even that is not the single most important thing. It's what's in your heart. So I think this is really a a crucial message for all religions, for everybody, that Jesus has for us this morning. And when I think about how this applies to us in our lives every day, You know, certainly I wish I could do something about what's going on in the Middle East. Certainly we can pray and keep everyone there in our our hearts and in our prayers. But first and foremost, I think we're called to embody this message just in our everyday lives. How do we identify what's most important? What are we called to? And in the next several months, as a congregation, we're going to be undergoing this visioning process. The Marin Organizing Committee is asking us to have these conversations about what's most important to us. What are our deepest concerns? What keeps us up at night? What makes, wakes us up in the morning? So let us really engage this conversation and allow ourselves to be changed by it. Because first of all, when we identify what's most important to us, it changes our ministry. Perhaps it even changes our identity, as it did for those early followers of Jesus. It allows us to see what's most important, and from that, it enlarges our scope of what we're doing. So let us really engage this process head on. How can we enlarge our ministry? How can we live out our call to love, that most important thing that we're called to in our hearts?
We know it's love, but what does it look like for us? How do we take better care of each other in this community and also have this outreach to everyone around and get beyond just who's in our own group? Now, I think we all have good intentions in that regard, but you know, we live in a society that is very segregated economically and otherwise. So everyone sort of has a group that we're in, right? So how do we step out of that comfort zone? And how do we make this a house of prayer for all peoples? Increasingly, more than ever, as Isaiah calls us to do. So one thing that I want to suggest as we're going through this process of visioning is to really kindle a volunteer spirit in our congregation, which we're already doing a lot of. But when we volunteer, we force ourselves to confront people, first of all, that might not be part of our everyday experience or part of our group. So you've all heard about the mission trip, and we've done a lot of other things here locally. Um, there's so many ways to volunteer in Marin. Uh, with, the, with the youth, we've done some volunteering with disabled adults in Larkspur playing basketball. And I can tell you that something like that changes me in my own sense of my ministry. Now, I don't really get to interact with disabled adults every day. I think often our society sort of keeps them hidden for whatever reason. But when we're there playing basketball, first of all, it's, it's so fun. I mean, it's kind of an amazing thing to do. Um, these adults just have this pure joy when we're playing with them. And it seems like they don't necessarily have all the thoughts and self-consciousness that keep most of us from this pure expression of joy. So the point being that when we allow ourselves to be present to people we're not normally present to, as Jesus does in this passage with the Canaanite woman, it changes us. It reminds us what's most important in our faith. And it enlarges our sense of ministry. So may we carry the spirit into this process we're about to undertake as a church. And may God bless our endeavors to really take care of each other, to live out this gospel message, and to invite everybody to be part of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley, dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.